up, creeps, and welcome to the last episode, most likely the last episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast of 2023. It's the one you've all been waiting for. I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm B-Ratty. And this is that time of year that you're all looking forward to, where we sit down and count down our top horror movies of the year. And we're here tonight to see if 2023 was a good year or a fucking shit year. Is this going to be a treasure year or a trash year? You'll find out in this episode. I don't know before we go into any cool stories or anything like that or our lists. Off the top of your head, boys, what do you think? Was it a good year or a rough year for the genre of horror? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like 2022 was such a such a landmark year for, for modern horror. I felt like it wasn't hard at all to come up with the list, and I felt like there were so many great movies. I think, what, last year, my number one of the year was Fresh, uh, and we had you know X come out that year. We had Pearl. Like, it's just, I felt like it was such a high, and coming into this year, it was, I don't want to say a letdown, but it was, it was definitely not up to snuff. I don't know. What about you, Jeremy? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't love, love movies this year. Like there, you know, there, there were some movies that, that I, I did care for and I, I was pretty passionate about, but ultimately as a whole, no, 2023 didn't do it for me. Um, like you were saying, Brady, um, I feel like there were some really great horror movies that came out in 2022. I'm looking at my list from 2022, uh, and I'm like, you know what? Damn, uh, I liked the movies last year a lot better than this year. So, yeah, that, that's a thumbs down for me, dog. I hate to disagree with you guys. I don't necessarily fully disagree, and I'm also looking at my list from last year that we did on the show. Uh, as Brady already said, we had two massive, awesome horror flicks from Ty West, both X and Pearl. We had Terrifier fucking 2, The Birth Ooh. of the Mega Slasher. Ooh. We had Prey. You know, we had Nope, we had Scream 5, which I loved, you know, I know Jeremy didn't love that one. We had Barbarian, we had Smile, we had The Black Phone, we had Men, you know, the new Texas Chainsaw. I mean, we could go on and go on, but yeah, it was a very solid year. And I remember us saying that it was one of the best years in a long time, minus, you know, one movie that probably hurt myself and Jeremy for the rest of our lives, which, you know, I don't know if we'll ever talk about it again, hmm. but... We're going to talk about 2023. Before we get into it, though, we talked about in our last episode that Jeremy was going to be going on an adventure. We know how fucking much you guys love hearing about that. Jeremy, you did something pretty fucking amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I did something that I, I didn't think that this opportunity was going to fall in my lap, and it literally fell in my lap. Uh, I went to Steel City Con and was Alec Baldwin's personal cinematographer for him attending this event. So I was with him for two days straight, and uh, I won't get into the happenstance of, of how and, and why this, this fell in my lap. I feel like the mystery is is better left a mystery. Uh, but I, I did. I got, to, I got to spend two straight days with, with Alec Baldwin, um, which was nerve-wracking, and then after the nerve-wreckingness of it, uh, once the nerves settled down, it was, it was awesome, man. He was... He was super great, super kind. I literally watched 
every interaction that he had with people for two straight days. And I saw him in situations where there was nobody around. He didn't have to, you know, put on an act. Uh, he could have chosen to be however he wanted to be, and he always chose kindness, even in the times where there was nobody else around. Super, super kind. Um, I sat down um, at breakfast with him on Friday, and he asked where I was from, and I told him, and then he proceeded to tell me that he lived, he used to live in Virginia, and he started giving me the history on Herndon, Virginia, and I'm like, my life is so wild right now. That's fucking wild. I was like, my my life is so wild right now that I'm sitting down for breakfast with Alec Baldwin at 9 a.m. and he's telling me the history of Virginia. This is this is crazy. But no, he was he was stoked to be there, and I think that he just really. I think maybe he was at a point where he needed that love that fans gave him. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody knows. We won't get into the politics of of everything that happened, but like everybody knows the tragedy that happened on that movie and you know you you can't imagine the toll that that takes on somebody and i think that him attending this event i think that the love that people showed him was something that actually meant something to him tremendously and i mean he was funny kind charismatic um and the thing that that surprised me the most i think is how fucking funny like he's mm-hmm. super, super fucking funny, man. Which I was not expecting at all. But it was, uh, it was a lot of work too. Like it wasn't like that. I was just there, you know, like hanging out with Alec Baldwin. That would have been cool too. But I, I was legitimately working. I was filming, um, basically his every move for two days, and then you know, then comes the even harder work of you know. Now I've got all the pieces to the puzzle, and I got to put a puzzle together, and I had to. I basically uh, edited together like a promotional reel for his manager, um, for Alec, uh, throughout the entirety of the event, which was a shit ton of work, man. I I legitimately got very, very little sleep for like six days straight. Um, So... And also, ladies and gentlemen, a big reason why we didn't release anything last week either, because we knew Jeremy had that you know, yeah. on the docket to, yeah. to finish. And from what I saw of it, dude, it looked fucking awesome. Thanks, so man. Kudos, thanks, on that, man. Yeah, some great work there. From what I saw, it was great, man. It was, uh, it was, it was super fucking awesome. Can I ask a question? And I, yeah. I don't want to get into the politics of it, but since sure. I mean, obviously, Justin and I knew you were doing this before tonight. Uh, hmm. But did, do you think like? Was he authentic or, like, was he, I guess, do you think he was acting at all because of everything, all the scrutiny he's under? Or it seemed very no, authentic, very... I think that if if I would have only encountered him and seen him at the table when he was signing the autographs or in the photo ops, I would have said maybe. Like, because, you know, you don't know, but the amount of time that I spent with him, no, I don't think that he was acting. No, I don't think it was a put-on. I think that, again, I think that he's at a point in his life where it probably felt really great to get that amount of love. Um, but also, I think he had a great time, and he he legitimately, like, dude, I, I sat there and I saw him um, backstage with his, you know, with his agent. We were in the green room, and he's like, how does this work? Like, what do I do? And I watched his agent kind of explain it to him, and he was like, okay, 
like you know, and he put total total faith in his manager, um, who is a rock star. His, this, this was the first time he's done one, right? Correct. Yeah, he had no idea. Like he's done like Q and A, like an an evening with type deals, but he's never done something like a full on convention appearance before. So, um. He went, and like I said, he was legitimately enjoying himself. I'll tell you one thing, man. Uh, all right, so <laughs> take this. Our our, uh, our listeners might enjoy this. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spill a little bit of beans. Um, out of all the different fan bases of people that could, could or, you know, why they love Alec Baldwin, you know, you've got your Beetlejuice heads, right? You've got your the Shadow heads. You've got your... Um, Hunt for Red October, people. You've got your um, Cat in the Hat. D- absolutely, I, he's Cat in the Hat, Boss Baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hold on, hold on. There's more. Thirty Rock. Thir- right? Thirty Rock. Oh, thank you. That's the one I was. Great. That's yeah. the one I was pulling for. You got your Thirty Rock people. You've got your Kevin Smith people because he did a voice on the Clerks cartoon show, and we know that Kevin Smith's fans are diehard. So you, I saw some of them as well. Um, the ones that surprised me the most and the ones that surprised him the most uh, was the Thomas the Tank Engine fans. <laughs> uh, dude, I can I can tell you, and I'm going to... I'm not going to speak for Alec. I'm not going to speak for Alec. Oh. I will speak for oh. myself. Again, I watched him interact with every single person over a two-day span, and there were four... <laughs> die-hard Thomas the Tank Engine fans, right? And they had no, like, conjunction to each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like they, like, all showed up together, like, fuck yeah, we're doing this Thomas thing. Like these one, people one did... giant train? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. These, these people did not know each other, so they were, like, sprinkled throughout the two days, right? Every single one of those four Thomas fans were adult males in their early 50s. Yeah. And every Can single one of them... Being- yeah, every single one of them yeah, was go ahead. fucking strange, bro. Like, not even just like, "Hey, Mr. Baldwin, what's up?" Like, I, I've loved Thomas the Tank Engine since I was a kid, or whatever the fuck. Like, here, would you mind signing this thing? Every single one of them was like, "Hello, Mr. Baldwin." Oh, <sighs> which one is your favorite you? train, <laughs> Mr. Baldwin? Dude, can you just was there a life size train that you got to ride in in the making of? Thomas the Tank Engine film. One person, I I keep cutting you off. I'm sorry. Oh, no. One person, no, it's would good. only would only speak to Alec. They had a toy Thomas the Tank Engine train in their hand, and they would only speak to him no. through the train. And hi, Alec, how are you? And Alec's like, ah, it's great. How you doing? How, how's it going? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> would you mind signing an autograph? And it was like, oh, this person's not going to stop. Like this is. Just how they exist. This is their life. And literally the entire experience was them shaking this toy train at him, pretending like the train was talking to him and not them. Super fucking strange. Um, So day two, during the photo ops, uh, this person walks up and they've got a... Uh, and like, But here, here's the thing, though. Alec could have been like looked at them in a stupor or whatever else like that dude he was just like okay a fucking toy train is talking to me right now 
what am I signing for you, Toy Train? You know what I mean? Like, he, he rolled with it. He didn't he didn't make the person, he didn't make a face, he didn't get weird about it, he just accepted, like, alright, this is fucking happening, I'm along for this ride now. He was a super fucking champ about it. And day two, another Thomas person came through the photo ops, and they were like, would you mind holding my tank engine in the photo, Mr. Baldwin? And he's like, Jesus. yeah, sure, no problem. So he's like holding it, and like they take the photo, and the dude slowly reaches over after the photo and repositions the train differently. And Alex's hand, and Alec is like looking at him, like, what is happening right now? And then he looked at the photographer and went, take another photo. The train wasn't angled correctly. And then the photographer was like, okay, and took another photo. And just afterwards, I, my buddy Josh um, helped me out. So um, we both were, you know, two different cameras rolling on Alec at all times. And we, when we were able to finally cut filming, uh, I was like, man, he goes, I know. These fucking Thomas people, man, they're fucking weird. But like I said, again... Alec took it like a champ, man. He could have easily been like, fuck these weirdos. And from what I heard at the very end is that he was like, let's do another one of these. So, you know, I, I don't think that this was a one and done for him. I think he legitimately had a good time. And, and I know that was very long-winded because that's how I roll. Uh, but, uh, no, he had a good time. and I, Our listeners already know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that it was a put-on at all. I think that he was legitimately stoked to be there. And uh, he, he was you know, happy meeting fans. Can you just imagine being Alec Baldwin, an accomplished film actor, and you're sitting there signing at your first con, and you hear chugga, 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 <laughs> and just like four guys dressed up as trains come rolling up to your table. They're like, toot, toot. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it uh, it was wild. I Honestly, I think that, that just as many people got the shadow signed as they got Beetlejuice signed for real. Mm. Oh, man, and that's what makes me regret even more not going because the shadow is absolutely one of my favorite early pulpy comic book movies of the 90s, and he's absolutely fantastic, and I, I totally should have sent along a shadow poster or something. But I would have had know. him sign uh, my copy of Pearl Harbor. Yeah. He's uh One he's he, I think he's going to I think he's going to do more man. So you'll you'll get your shot Justin. But real quick before we take a promo break and we get to our top 5 horror movies of 2023. Jeremy, I'm not sure if you can give us a little insight on this. You had given me a little information regarding it for those Beetlejuice fans out there which this may be breaking news. I don't know if people know this or not. You you said that he actually told you information about whether he's going to be in Beetlejuice 2 or not. Oh, uh yes. Uh I I can't divulge that because I I just don't know that that's a thing that he would want me to divulge um because it was a question that somebody asked him and I think that he just candidly responded to it without thinking like oh people could report on this um and so because i worked for i mean because, the reason i oh, yeah, yeah yeah okay no 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 because i, I because i worked I, I, for him and ask is because stuff from cons i yeah i gotcha come out all the time yeah yeah, yeah so. totally um I, that's not what i thought where, what i thought you were going with and i was going to totally go in another direction with that um i do know so uh alec had done steel city con and you know it's no 
you know, mystery that Steel City Con has avidly been trying to get Michael Keaton to attend their convention. They've publicly on social media been like, please, you know, on his official page, like, come hang out with us at Steel City Con. Um, I do, I do know that, you know, it's not like I know that he, that Keaton has signed on or anything, but I know that they are swinging for the fences to get Michael Keaton to a Steel City Con, which I think would be fucking awesome. Uh, if they did end up landing him again, that's not an announcement. I just know they're trying. Mm. But but as far as the Beetlejuice two thing, man, uh, yeah, I I I would feel weird saying something. Um, but I think that everything that's come out, um, about this movie, you can kind of put two and two together: who's in it and who's not. I mean, I already I already know he's not in it because it's already been confirmed he's not in it. But it was a cool little tidbit, you know. Of information, but we won't we won't divulge that or anything like that. Um, those that know anything about Beetlejuice two at this point and what the story is, and you know the leak the leak script from fucking two months ago and all that. I didn't I didn't know that the um, I didn't know the script leaked. Damn, it did. Yeah, huh. it. Uh, I won't name the the individual, but it's an individual we have behind the scenes chatted about that also scream information came from and such. And uh, yes. But I digress on Beetlejuice, and we will move forward to the quick promo break. And when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, it's what you've all been waiting for. Top five horror movies of 2023. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Louie. And I'm Dave. Do you love Halloween? Do you like hearing about it year-round? Then check out our Haunted Hangover podcast, available on all streaming platforms. We cover everything from nostalgic memories to your favorite Halloween specials. Hey Dave, what's the best cure for a hangover? More booze. And we're back. It's time. It's finally fucking time for Epic Film Guys Top 5 Horror Movies of 2023. And we're going to jump right in. You already heard what we thought of the year as a whole. Let's talk about the movies themselves. So, as is customary on the show, we go to the youngest. That's uh-huh. be Ratatat. Be ratty. It's me. We're going to start with your, 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 your number five horror movie of 2023. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said at the beginning, uh, this year was vastly different than 2022, where I felt like I had last year just a shit ton of movies to choose from. Uh, this year, you know, I kind of came into this knowing where I was going to land. Um, but I felt like half the movies, maybe more than half, I just kind of felt like meh, like they were fine. They were passable. Um, not enough to, you know, trash them, but really nothing drove it forward. Like last year, that being said, there were some really good movies that came out. Uh, and I don't know if you guys felt this, but there are some movies that I'm like, that came out this year? It felt like it came out five years ago. Yeah. Uh, so so, so me, many. My, so many, yeah. Yeah. But my number five is one of those movies for me where I had to like double check that it came out this year, and it is Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool. Um, you know, we have a whole episode on it. We all went and saw it. We all reviewed it, uh, so I don't have to rehash everything. But, you know, I really love... Brandon Cronenberg and and the small filmography he has so far uh, and especially for the potential that he has because he's you know following in his dad's footsteps but he's doing his own thing too right he's he's pushing the envelope in different directions that maybe you know his dad didn't have in the 80s and 90s like we have a whole new 
genre of sci-fi uh, that's just right at his, at his fingertips, and, and he's really um, exploring that. That being said, Infinity Pool, for me, you know, now that I've had a year to watch it a couple of different times, like it's, you know, the simple tale of just wealthy people on vacation, right? And the rules don't apply to them. And that's what makes it uh, very, very interesting. But it's it's not this in-your-face, you know, fast-paced thriller. It's this slow descent into madness. And what was really on the last rewatch for me that really put this on my list was like, Skarsgård's character James, right? At the end of the movie, you know, at the beginning he enters into this film. He's full of doubt. He's got a bunch of fears about who he is, this identity crisis. He wrote a book. What's he going to do with the next one? And then James, James, and then he he's, you know, he <laughs> embraces his wildest desires. I still cannot get over that fucking voice. Uh he embraces his wildest desires. He he just gives in, right? But then what happens? At the end, he's just alone. And he's in the rain. And he's no closer to figuring out who he was at the end than he was at the beginning. And it's just like this this idea of everything was for nothing, right? And that on top of this just descent into chaos, just it, it makes it such a great movie. And there are moments of just pure adrenaline-led fear. And uh, yeah, for me, I, I had to put it on there. And, and anything with Mia Goth in it is most likely going to make it on a top five list for me. So number yeah. five is Infinity Pool. Great fucking pick. Thank you. I know that that was hot on Jeremy's opinion uh, in terms of the review we did as well. I know that blew him away as well. Well, Jer- so Jeremy spent like I'll 10 be minutes talking see. about uh, the cum in that one scene. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was enough just to make it number one of the year. I mean, I swear to God. Yeah. The way you described it, you could have. I don't think I've heard Jeremy say that, "come" bro. that many times in in one in one sitting, but I was there for it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, uh, so. My number five is also Infinity Pool. Uh, speak of the <laughs> devil, no fucking. <laughs> yep, way. number five is Infinity Pool, bro. And what's crazy is is Brady. I knew exactly what movie you were gonna say when you said that you had to go and make sure that it came out this year because that movie felt like it <laughs> came out. The same thing, dude. Yeah. It felt like it came out three years ago, and I'm like, holy shit. It was one of our first reviews of, of the year. Yeah, uh, God, but it feels like so long ago. Um, Yeah, I loved that movie. It's weird because elements of that movie seems like very like simplistic and basic, and then other uh, elements of the movie feel very complex, like how, you know, how are, how did, you know, the, the process for the cloning works. Like, it's like, okay, like, I like that he didn't delve too deeply into that, which is kind of a complex thing in itself, but I don't know, like, the the movie just, it was different, and I loved the pacing, I loved the slow burn elements of it, and I, it made me think, fuck, man, if we can get movies like this in 2023, this this year is going to be insane. Um, I don't think we, we got... Tons of movies in the caliber of Infinity Pool this year, but uh, this one definitely had to make it in my top five, and I love it. The performances in the movie are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great pick, fantastic pick. I mean, I I knew Jeremy had it on his list. I just knew it, but oh I yeah, didn't expect you to necessarily have it. We'll see if it pops up on mine either here or honorable mentions. We will see. 
And I think a lot of listeners that have listened throughout the year are going to be interested to see, well, they reviewed this movie, they, they said this about it in this review, and how is it going to stack up on their list, or is it going to make it? Um, this one might be considered a little low for where I'm putting it, but I am putting Scream 6 at number 5. You know, the Scream franchise is a sore subject right now, and I kind of promised myself publicly that I wouldn't talk about it any further. Um, you know, we kind of said what we were going to say, shot our wad on the whole situation on our last episode, though, you know, news recently um, has brought up more information in terms of what the studio has done and basically demanding Melissa Barrera, you know, recant her beliefs and what she said to come back and fill out her contract. And she said, go fuck yourself. Literally, it's what she said. Um, but, you know, uh, I'll never forget going to this press screening. It was Saturday morning. Jeremy, you and I went. It was like 9 in the morning, <laughs> Saturday morning. Yep. Um, and we just had an absolute blast with this one. I know, you know, there's a lot of fans out there that shit all over it. Week opening, wasting this, wasting that. But I, I was, I found it very refreshing. And I, I loved, um, you know, Gail Weathers scene. It was one of the most iconic of the series for me in, in her apartment, in her loft. Um, I did not miss Sydney Prescott. I know that's, you know, uh, sacrilege to say, but I really just enjoyed the movie as a whole. There were some great set pieces and it had to make my list. I mean, I'm a Scream guy, man, and I fucking really enjoyed it. So number five for me is Scream 6. And yes, they actually admitted that it's a sequel by putting the fucking number in the title. So yeah. Scream 6, it is yeah. for me. So. Moving forward for me, uh, on to Brady. Yeah. You're number four, my friend. I, uh, you know, I, I, I want to say good pick, but we all know how I felt about Scream 6. Um, as a it's, fan, still a, it's still a good pick. It's though. still a good it's, pick. It's a good pick. <laughs> I, I can't take that away from you. Scream 6 um, rock. Hopefully, whenever Scream 7 does come out, it writes some some very big wrongs in screen. But will it, Brady? So on to my number four. (laughs) Um, I don't know if either of you saw this movie, but I wrote a review about it earlier this year, and it's from Robbie Banfitch, and it is a found footage film called The Outwaters, coming in at my number four. Um, So it's kind of like the Blair Witch Project, but in the desert, um, Mm. mixed with a lot of cosmic horror. Uh, and you know, if, if you guys want to check out a full review, you know, it, it's up on our WordPress. Um, I think it's a really good written review, but that's just me. Uh, but you know, most of the movie relies on a lot of sparse amounts of direct violence, right? So there's really nothing in your face in that aspect, but it thrives on this, this unknown. And some of its most impressive scenes are found where the dialogue between the characters. And I, I talk about a lot of, I need more from characters. I need some investment. And this movie gives you that like it really wraps you in these four characters going out into the desert on a hike uh to find themselves and and just running into the worst possible fucking scenario uh and instead of being these just like caricatures of people they're actually you know really fucking real people um and then the dialogue just lends itself to the sheer havoc of the second half where all you have are voices screaming in the dark for each other and it's 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 hard for me to find a movie where I feel overwhelmed by the sense of darkness, like this pitch blackness, but this movie does it. And then when it does dive into the gore, it's almost beyond any other gore that I had seen this year. And it's just, 
intense, it's provocative, and it's alarming to all the senses. So for me, number four is uh, The Outwaters. And if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it on Shudder. You'd think that myself and Jeremy would have watched it, uh, considering you reviewed it. We got it sent to us early, Mm -hmm. and I figured it would be a great opportunity for you to write something. And I'll never forget you texting me that you had started it, and you weren't necessarily feeling it about a quarter way through or so. And then the next day, you were like, scratch that. that. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, no. this movie. You got to see it. Uh, Yeah, it it was incredible. And, you know, um, I've interacted a little bit with Banfitch on Twitter, and he's just really down-to-earth guy, uh, really loves his horror, so excited to see what he does going forward. Awesome pick, man. I again, and I need to watch I, that. I, I should have prefaced the entire list with this, is that you know our lists are based on what we saw. You know, All three of us together, we watched a bunch of movies. We still didn't see everything, mm-hmm. you know? So we do our best. Yeah. But great pick, man. Moving on to Jeremy for your number four. I'm a huge fan of alien movies and i really love horror films with aliens like not straight up sci-fi i mean i enjoy some sci-fi alien movies too but my favorite type of alien movie is horror films with aliens and i feel like that's something that we don't get enough of these days and we got one this year and even though there was quite a bit of of cgi alienness going on in it i enjoyed the movie so much that I was actually able to overlook the fact that primarily a bulk of this movie was done with the CG CGI, you know, creatures, but no one will save you was one that I just had a blast with, man. I had such a good time. You know, I read so many things where people were like, Oh, the fact that nobody was talking in the movie, fuck it took me out of it. And I'm like, the character's by herself. Unless she's having full-blown conversations with herself. Like, what conversation were you looking for? Not only that, most of the time she's trying to hide and not be discovered. So why is she going to be like, fuck! No, she's trying to stay quiet the whole time. So, like, that didn't bother me at all. Uh, I loved its originality. Um... It was fast-paced. I found myself on the edge of my seat. I like the really strange ending that was thought-provoking of, like, well, what exactly did this mean? Why were these decisions made? Um, I had a great time with it, and if a movie enables me to not even want to touch my phone in 2023, you know, um, if it holds my attention the whole time and I'm excited... Uh, dude, that's, that's what I'm looking for, man. No, I mean, I I can't disagree with anything you said, my friend, because not to cut you off, but my number four is no one will save you. (laughs) Um, well, we're just going to do this all fucking night, aren't we? I swear to God, because when we review movies together, it's very rare when we disagree to the point where we like argue with each other. It doesn't happen very often. And this was one, I think, that surprised um, everyone. Uh, Extremely unfortunate that this was a straight-to-streaming movie that Hulu uh, 
release this. It was a 20th Century Studios, which means it was Disney, which means they were like, fuck releasing this in theaters. But it definitely deserved to be seen on the biggest screen possible. A breath of fresh air for both the alien invasion flick and anything involving aliens. I mean, we had Nope the prior year, you know, and that was great. Uh, this just was one step forward, even I would definitely say even more more terrifying in a way. Um, you know, I'm just looking forward to more movies like this. I mean, it was just centered around one character and the character was well written and they had depth and we got to experience the movie through their eyes. And it was just scary. Um, you know, alien abduction movies come and go and it's rare to get one that's memorable. And this was yeah. most definitely a memorable one for me. Uh, I liked the ending as well, Jeremy. I thought it was it was cool. I like ambiguous endings. So, yeah, 100% on my list. Number four, No One Will Save You. And also, again, that's one that we all reviewed on the show. So I know everything on my list. They're movies that we reviewed. So I'll make sure to list it in the show notes if you're looking at the link when you pop on this episode. So you can listen to those and hear us talk about them. But moving on even further in into top three, be ready. Ooh. What do you got for number three? Number three is one that we recently reviewed, um, and I know all of us on the podcast loved it, uh, but it is Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. Uh, I know you might think it's a little too high on the list or a little too low, um, but uh, yeah, I, I just it's a great slasher film. Uh, we just talked about it a few weeks ago, but you know, there's some good social commentary in there. There's incredible gore, incredible kills, uh, and then just it's funny, you know, and it's funny in a way that isn't over the top or or way too much. And it's it's real. Those Boston accents are so fucking real. Uh, but I'm excited to hear that, you know, it's coming out with a second movie, right? That's getting a sequel that was announced very shortly after. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens with John Carver. And I, I'm glad that we got another slasher icon for this generation uh, and really excited to see where it goes with that. So my number three is Thanksgiving. Great pick. I might say a little low for my liking, but... Right. We'll see. We'll, we'll see there. Jeremy's number three is also Thanksgiving. I'm just kidding. Actually, it is. It is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> It actually is. Thanksgiving was my number no three. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, you're not bullshitting. I'm not bullshitting. Oh my God. Thanksgiving is my number three. Uh, <laughs> Slashers is is my fucking meat and gravy, my meat potatoes, all that good shit. Yeah. I, dude, I, yeah. I I ever since I was a kid, there's just something about a masked killer picking off a group of teens that really gets me going and. Man, to get a new slasher film in theaters, and even Eli Roth talked about, like, it was an impossible feat getting that movie in theaters. There was only one movie studio that was going to make that happen, and it's because they don't have a streaming service. So, had any other studio, you know, said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll bankroll this, we'll fund this, there was a real possibility that it would have gone streaming, and God bless America, I'm so glad it did not go to streaming because seeing a new original slasher film on the big screen, John Carver, with some likable characters, some 
like, I my biggest concern with this movie is that it was just going to be cardboard cutout teens. Like, insert the jock, insert the cheerleader, insert... And don't get me wrong, there are some of these, you know, archetypes in the film, but the way that they're written makes them human, and it makes them likable, which is something that usually in slasher films you're like, I don't fucking care about any of these people. I don't care. Pick them off. Kill them. But, like, Eli Roth did a great job of writing these characters to where you cared about them. You didn't want them to die when they were getting close to getting their comeuppance. You're like, oh, fuck no. No, 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 not Scuba. Not Scuba! And not Scuba. Spoiler. Uh, Fucking, dude, I loved this movie. I thought it was just awesome and it was the shot in the arm that the horror genre needed for this subgenre of slashers. I loved it um, so much so that I, I took home an eight foot tall theater display. Oh, the, that I don't know. Where what did f- you did you put it up? It's yet? in my fucking garage. What am I gonna do with that thing? I don't know. But I loved the movie so much that the the theater manager was right there, and I was like, "Hey, what are you doing with that?" When, when you guys are done with it. He was like, you want it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, take it right now. And I'm like, really? He was like, yeah, take it right now. So now I have an eight-foot-tall Thanksgiving theater display that's in my garage that I got to figure out what the fuck I'm doing with it. Yeah, number three, baby. Thanksgiving all the way. Thank you, Eli Roth. That was a blessing. Yeah, great pick. Amazing pick. Fantastic fucking pick. Um, it is not my number three. No. Yeah, we're not going to match up on this entire thing. Talk to me like lovers do. Oh, yep. How the hell did you know? Oh, my God. We're just reading each other's minds, man. Are we that fucking predictable, ladies and gentlemen? We're all in sync right It is. It is. It's going to be me. Talk to me. (laughs) We're all in sync. 100%. Yeah, that was good. You know, uh, yeah. This one was my number one of the year. Until we rounded out the year, and I saw a couple more movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, everyone knows about it. It, it kind of went viral in a way that movies do. It was super low budget, uh, fantastic original movie about teenagers who discover they're able to contact spirits using a mysterious severed embodied hand. And it, to me at least, just knocked my fucking socks off. I was not expecting uh, the level that they brought to this movie um i was terrified there was some seriously heavy shit in this movie um it was a24's highest grossing horror film and second highest grossing film overall when it came out and that's insane because it had like a budget of 4.5 million and guys it made almost a hundred fucking million dollars this thing is like a modern john carpenter's halloween if you will where this movie was made for peanuts by two guys that you know made their claim to fame on youtube doing videos on there and they just loved horror and you know now they're with a24 there's a sequel that's been announced everyone that's anybody in terms of the horror genre and you know talking about movies has seen this and talked about it, and I think that's exciting for a team of new up-and-coming directors and writers to be a part of. You know, That's why it's so impressive. This is not some filmmaker that's been out there making movies their entire life. They're not seasoned. These guys are new 
to the game, and they knocked it out of the fucking park. They blew us all out of the fucking water. You know, young kids loved this movie. Dudes my age loved this movie. It's absolutely fantastic. So Talk to Me is at my number three, and here we are Mm. down to the top two movies I honestly don't, Brady. I have no idea what your number two is. I, 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 I might know what Jeremy's is, but I don't know what yours is. Do you so. want to take a guess? You can both guess. <laughs> Scream six. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> Jerbear, Jerbear, what do you think? Look what I did there. Uh, what do I think? Uh, I'm gonna say. Talk to me. Like well, Jeremy was you. right. Damn. My number two. My number two is uh, talk to me. We are beyond predictable, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We, I, and what the I, wild uh, thing is, so people know that we're not lying, is we don't share our list with each other ahead of time. We have no idea what no. the other members going to pick. So, yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. Um, you know, just you might call us like best friends. You know, you know they might call us best amateur friends. psychics. Um, well, amateur psychics or that. is better. Yeah, that works That's... too. Um, but yeah, I mean, to follow up with Justin, <laughs> talk to me. You know, it came out in the summer, and I went into it very uh, unprepared. I guess you could say. I just, I really wasn't expecting much. It looked like a typical possession movie, kind of low budget. But I was like, you know what, I'll go see it, and uh, just completely floored. You know, like, and it was one of those visceral reactions in the theater from everyone that really draws you into it, too. Like, there were scenes in that of just pure gore and terror. And I've said it in the review, and I'll say it again, but the scene where they're talking or she's trying to go in the hospital and and rescue the, is it Riley, I believe, and rescue Riley from the demons and sees him being eaten alive by all these demons. Like I had to look away and I had to look down. I said, I I can't watch this on the screen. Like it was so overwhelming to me. Uh, And that's just how the movie was. Like there's these moments that break through constantly that just are attacking your senses and attacking everything that you're feeling. And, and the end, and I'm suck. I'm a sucker for movies where there's no happy ending, right? I don't really like movies where good triumphs over evil i like it where it's very ambiguous or it's very like well this is just life this happens and the way the movie ends is like holy shit like it's just gonna keep going from culture to culture from people to people and it's uh it's so good i'm so excited to see what they do with it next uh like you said justin you know they're they're unknowns like they've done some stuff here and there but like this really catapulted them into the genre and i I love when movies do that. I love when there's a hit, and I, I really am excited for what they're going to do next. So number two for me is uh, Talk to Me. Like Lover Also, um, yes, and my two biggest candidates as of right now to helm a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I mean, what they did in that movie proved to me at least that they'd be amazing at visualizing the dream sequences, yeah. the dread, the terror, and and just the really super scary shit that needs to happen. Yeah. So, great fucking pick, man. And my number two is talk to me. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. (laughs) I swear to God, if I take a shot of whiskey every time we all match up, I won't even be able to finish the fucking episode with you guys. Uh, So, that's, like, not any different than our normal episodes, but that's, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't drink whiskey. I don't. I, I, t- I, I meant. I said whiskey on purpose because if it's vodka, I'll, I'll be able to last all fucking day. Oh, all right. So, <laughs> yeah, man, talk to me, man. This honestly, I did not believe that any movie was going to beat this for my number one. Like, I loved this thing so much. It was so refreshing to get a new horror film that's not based on anything. It's just new content and a new story with uh, really capable filmmakers that captured lightning in a bottle because that's exactly what these filmmakers did is, man, it's, I'm, I'm numb to horror movie shit, right? Because I've been watching horror movies since I was a little kid. It takes a lot for me to get frightened during a movie or for me to get squeamish, right? Because I don't, I'm not somebody that's watching these, these weird, fucked up, you know, underground horror films that just, you know, have the brutality for the sake of brutality. But this movie, man, man, it had me squirming in my seat. There was one point where I think I even said it in our review where I literally covered my eyes and didn't realize that I was consciously doing that because this thing got so unhinged and they took it so far where other filmmakers would have cut at a certain point. They were like, no, this is where we're doubling down. And it was unfucking comfortable. It was hard to watch. It was brutal as shit. And most importantly, it was unexpected, man. And that's how I felt about this whole movie. It was unexpected. I was not prepared for how amazing this thing was. And I thought, it's 100% going to be my number one. 100% going to be my number one. There's not going to be another movie that's going to fucking dethrone this thing. Um, I was wrong, but that doesn't take away from how amazing this movie is. Like, it, it mm-hmm. is an absolute accomplishment for the horror genre. And if, if you're somebody that's listening to this that you haven't seen it, highly, highly recommend it. So Talk to Me is my number two. Nice. Fantastic pick. And... I thought the entire year, and I proclaimed it. I said, this is going to be my number one, and nothing's going to ever move it out of the way. And you guys already mentioned it, but I just had so much fun with Thanksgiving that I had I had to put it on top of it. I think it's just, much like Jeremy said, straight up old school slasher, the way we all remember them, done by an expert. I mean, say what you will about Roth's movies that he's put out. I mean, people love him, people hate him, people are in the middle. But, you know, he's a film historian. Like, he knows so much about movies. And he's never necessarily done, like, a straight-up slasher movie. And it was just a a super fun fucking time. I mean, seeing this with a crowd was one of the best times of the year in a theater for me on opening night. It was just people going wild for the kills. And everyone had been waiting 15 years since that faux trailer that was part of Grindhouse that, you know... Him, Jason Eisner, Robert Rodriguez, you know, they all came together and made these faux trailers, you know, to be in the middle of Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino's movies. And everyone's like, make these fucking movies. Not Eisner, not Eisner, Edgar Wright. Oh, well, Jason Eisner's Hubbo with a shotgun as well. Was that in Grindhouse? Yeah, Yeah, dude. Fuck me. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Edgar Wright had one as well. Yep. Um, but <laughs> damn, um, I, I dude, I totally forgot so Hobo was trailers, in there. 
Yeah, man. I mean, Hobo came first, then Machete, and then everyone's just like, yo, dude, are we ever going to ever get Thanksgiving? Because it makes so much sense. I mean, up until this point, we got Blood Rage as a Thanksgiving slasher movie, but we didn't have, like, anything with that title, which is kind of crazy to think, much like John Carpenter's Halloween when that came out in 78, nothing had ever had the name Halloween in the title. And up until this point, there's never been a movie, like a big movie released in theaters called Thanksgiving. And Eli finally made the movie and he nailed it. He knocked it out of the park. It's just so much fun, man. I mean, like you said earlier, Jeremy, the characters are all likable, relatable. They feel like real kids today. Um the kills are absolutely brutal. Like, he does not hold back at all. There's children witnessing the murder of their parents in front of them in an over-the-top, gory, and fun way. And he leaves it in the movie. And this was out as a major release. Get the fuck out of here, man. Um, amazing. You know, and it was hearkening back to 90 slashers in a way that I missed so much, even though we've that's what's in right now when everyone's trying to do it. You had to have an expert like Roth to be able to get in the director's chair and really just see it through. And he was the perfect guy to do it. So Thanksgiving, my number two, loved the shit out of this movie. This is not just one of my favorite movies of the year. This is one of my favorite slashers of all time. Woo! Hot take, Ladies and gentlemen. Woo! uh, Yeah. I mean, hey, you have fun with the movie, you have fun with the movie. Um, We're down to number one. Here we are. I have absolutely no clue what Brady's number one is. I swear to God, I don't know. But we're about to hear it right now. So, Brady? Everybody knows how much I love David Gordon Green. I'm just kidding. Um, Holy... (laughs) Dude, I almost... (laughs) It's the exorcist believer. Thanks a lot, dude. Number one. I have to piss. Uh, No. So, you know, up until this point, uh, maybe two weeks ago... I was convinced that Talk to Me was number one, which is a common theme on this podcast, apparently. But it's just that's how good it is. Like I, nothing else topped it. And you know, I I dive into a lot of the Shutter movies. I dive into a lot of the Screenbox movies, and um, I don't want to say that those are a lower caliber, but like you know, they are typically straight to streaming. So it's you know, Talk to Me was just such a phenomenon. Uh, so when I got to what my number one is. I had heard a lot of hype about it and had put it off for a while uh, and then finally said, you know what? We're coming up on the end of the year. Let me just watch it before the year's over. Let me let me see what the hype is about. And uh, completely, completely blown away. Um, it's When Evil Lurks, and I don't know if you all have heard of this one. I, I keep hearing that this thing is amazing and I have yet to watch it. Yeah, and so that's what had happened with me. I kept hearing, like, everybody was talking about it. Like, hey, like, you got to watch this. Like, you're not prepared. And, you know, there are some people who are like, well, it's not that good. Um, but it was t- it was completely, like, just, it was all over everybody's lists. And I said, all right, I'll watch it. It's a Spanish horror film um, by uh, Damien Rugna. Uh, and he did um, Terrified. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, but he did that one a few years ago. But basically, it's <clears throat> in a remote village. Two brothers find a demon-infected man just about to give, quote-unquote, give birth to a demon. And they decide to get rid of the body but end up unintentionally spreading chaos. And when I tell you, 
as a horror movie that this was a deeply cinematic experience. Like Jeremy, did you ever watch um The Wailing? Yes. It's it's like that. Okay. That's all I could think of. I was like, and and he's gone on record, the director Rubna, and been like, yeah, the Wailing is a huge inspiration for this. But that's what it was. I was so enthralled with it, and it's it's full of the violence and the shock that we all love. But it's it's this masterclass in world building and practical effects and this overall anxious tone. And 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 going back to the practical effects, like we've talked multiple times on this podcast this year of how we just want to get back to practical practical effects right like cgi has a place it has a purpose but we really miss the heyday of practical effects and this movie was back to those effects where you're you're grossed out by them like you're you have to look away you're squeamish and i loved it and i i loved feeling sick watching the body horror of this movie um and there's back to the violence and and shock of it there's there's a vicious gruesomeness to this film that is unmatched by anything else that came out this year and and talk to me you know i talked to i I talked about that was that visceral reaction this one was that but times 10 right and and it's just i think rugno would be a perfect director to do a silent hill type movie uh as a side note but like if you have not seen this one you need to go watch it because it's gonna blow your fucking socks off like number one for me is when evil lurks yeah i'm definitely gonna be checking that out here in the next couple days. I heard so much about it, and I didn't watch it, and uh, that's on me. And every year I feel like, Jeremy, there's one of those for each one of us where yep. we're like, fuck, we should have watched that yep. one. But it happens, man, you know? But on to you, my friend. You're number one. Gojira. Oh, my God. Minus one. going to cross over again. <laughs> Gojira, minus one. Dude, Godzilla minus one (laughs) um, is my number one pick, and I was not anticipating it. And what's wild about me choosing this movie as my number one is that there's a parallel here, and it mirrors what happened to me last year, too. I did not give a fuck about Terrifier 2 because I was not a massive fan of Terrifier. I thought it was fine. It didn't do anything for me. I had no plans on checking out Terrifier 2 until Justin was like, believe me, bro. Trust me. Go see it. It's amazing. And the word of mouth, word of mouth, word of mouth, I went and saw Terrifier 2 and it blew me the fuck away. It was unlike any theater experience I had ever had. And that was my number one last year. And that's exactly what happened this year. I generally don't give a fuck about Godzilla. It's just not something that I'm into. No offense to anybody that loves Godzilla. That's cool. We all have our things that we love. It's never been something that I've loved or been like, oh, yeah, man, fucking Godzilla's my shit. You know, and I'm a big collector, right? So, like, my whole basement is filled with monsters, and I don't own one Godzilla thing because it's not something that I'm generally interested in. This thing came out, and I kept hearing, man, it's amazing. Man, it's amazing. It's unfucking believable It's unbelievable. To the point where I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to see a Godzilla movie this weekend because I keep hearing how great it is, and I I want to feel and experience what other people are saying that they're feeling and experiencing. So I went and saw it, and if you would have told me an hour before the start of this movie, like, hey, man, you're going to almost cry watching this movie like there's such an emotional gut punch in this movie and there's such a real 
human component going on in the story, and you're going to give a shit about these characters. You're going to fall in love with them. You're going to want to root for them. And Godzilla was fucking terrifying. I was not prepared for that because everything that I've seen with Godzilla, it's never been terrifying to me. This one was. Um, the filmmakers here made a truly scary version of Godzilla. They also crafted in a truly amazing human story to intertwine with a terrifying Godzilla. Um, it has a higher ranking than the original Godzilla as far as critical response. It does. Um, it does. Which, it does. how often does that happen? That, that'd that be like the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street having a higher ranking than the 1984 one. It's like that shit just doesn't happen typically. Um, and it happened this time for good reason because Godzilla minus one was incredible. It just absolutely blew me away. You know, in the review we discussed how it kind of, you know, it, it follows Jaws a little bit. Like there's a lot of Jaws archetypes in, in the film structure and in the storytelling that are really, really effective and it legitimately blew me away and I was not expecting it. So, you know, if a movie can have me on the edge of my seat, have me terrified, have me laughing, and then almost have me crying all in its runtime, I'm I'm thankful for that experience and that's exactly what I got with Godzilla minus one. Amazingly said, my friend, my co-host, my secret lover. <laughs> <laughs> my, <laughs> All right. my number one is also Godzilla minus one. And even though, I mean, even though, I mean, it's horror. It's not straight horror, but it's horror because as Jeremy said it well, it's fucking scary, dude. I mean, I've been watching Godzilla movies since I was a little kid, you know? And nothing has touched the surface in terms of how scary that character has been, to me at least. And I'm a 40-year-old man at this point, okay? And Godzilla scared me in this fucking movie. Um, amazingly in-depth character writing. People you can root for. Uh, I like the MonsterVerse stuff in the U.S. just fine. It's fine for what it is. But this movie proves that you can have a Godzilla movie with well-written characters that you can root for that aren't stupid, that are relatable, and also have that monster mayhem in a serious way and have it all still be enjoyable at the same time. Also, the fact that this was like what we said on the review, it's like Dunkirk. It's like a Christopher Nolan war movie with Godzilla. In it. I mean... Uh, what Takashi Yamazaki came up with here, he had three years to craft this movie. And Jaws was 100% uh, one of his biggest inspirations, along with the original Godzilla film from 1954 and Godzilla Mothra and King Ghidorah. So he had a few things on his mind that he really wanted to take as influence to create his own vision of this character. And as of right now, it is one of the highest rated movies of the year. It had a budget of $15 million. Um, it's made $65 million box office in the U.S. It's made more money in the U.S. than it's made in Japan, 
which is absolutely unheard of. Wow. I mean, the word of mouth for this thing, Jeremy, I'm not sure if you remember, this thing was supposed to be in theaters for a week. Yeah. And because of word of mouth, and I'm not going to beat around the bush, people like us that do movie podcasts or YouTubers that, you know, came out and went for the fences for this movie the studio was like hey let's push this thing and for some regions it's still playing right now yeah that's how many people want to see a foreign mate a japanese movie with subtitles that's how good this movie is i absolutely had to put it on my list as well i had a feeling jeremy after our review of the film that i was like man you know what like i'm pretty sure this is the one yeah and i was as surprised as you and i'm a guy that's loved godzilla since i was a kid so if you haven't seen the movie if it's playing in your region and you haven't seen it yet in a theater do not miss the opportunity because if you do you'll be missing one of the best movies of the year overall you know this isn't just horror movies so this one everyone can relate to and everyone can enjoy so that's it here Mm. For our number one, our top five horror movies of 2023. Do you guys have any honorable mentions? I know I have five. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can just keep in time with mine and go. Um, honorable mentions are Run, Rabbit, Run. Uh, There's Something Wrong with the Children. Suitable Flesh. Saw 10. I don't know if you guys ever got a chance to see that one. Um, nope. I, I did. I did. That's up there. Um, you know, this is my second year. Uh, in a row of watching the entire Saw franchise all the way through, um, so a little overkill there. But Saw 10 was great. Uh, and then uh, to cap it all off, Evil Dead Rise at number 10. Jeremy, any honorable mentions for you? Um, I don't know. You know, not really. Uh, like I said, I wasn't really blown away by movies this year. <laughs> so like, he said, absolutely not. That's so fucking. That's there should be a hashtag. That's so fucking Jeremy because no, not really. No, no. I so. I, I just did not enjoy <laughs> movies as much this year as I have in in years prior. So like, even looking at my list, I'm like, well, The Nun two sucked a fucking dick. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's was just okay. It was fine. It was fun. It was it was what it was for the demographic that it's for. Um, Insidious was fucking probably the worst this year. Like, you know, I, I, you know what? I'll give you one honorable mention. Scream 6 was great, man. Um, I, I, I honestly, I, I, I know you enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I, I, I honestly thought it was going to be in my top five, but it, uh, it got dethroned. Um, and, and that's likely also due to the fact that, like, I love the first Scream movie, but, the sequels haven't really done it for me, but this one was really, really fucking good. I was super hot on it. I for sure thought it was going to be in my top five, but yeah, movies haven't been super great for me this year, so that that's all I have to say about the war in Vietnam. <laughs> gotcha. One great. of these days, I promise our listeners will get Jeremy to watch all the Scream sequels again, and we'll, we'll do something with it, but oh, my number six is Cobweb, a movie not mentioned by anyone. Um, yeah, it it had a very short theatrical release. Lionsgate dumped it. I know, actually, I think Jeremy, you'd really like it. Okay, I think you'd really dig it. So that's another one. Um, after that, M. Thregan, M. Thregan, that's on my list. Uh, Saw X, 
not necessarily a straight horror movie, but it was fucking weird and disturbing. Bo was afraid. And, of course, last, sorry to make it so low for you guys, but Infinity Pool. I still really liked it. So uh, that would have been piece of shit. my top ten if I, yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> if I had to do it. But, Brady, you, you brought up a great point prior to our recording. You know, we're not going to probably have time for a top five worst of list right now and apparently in the world of film criticism you know people are trying to cancel the whole idea of worst of lists which totally defeats the idea of film criticism in general but i digress you said we should mention something after we're done with our lists what was that my friend yeah i just figured it'd be good to um go through the year and talk about our one most underwhelming horror movie and it doesn't have to be a full review but just like you know what it what movie it was why it didn't work for you and then and then move on so for me i'll go first my most underwhelming movie of 2023 was skin and rink and i felt like this movie was so fucking hyped up and I, i i get the slow burn love but i don't get the love for virtually no plot it was just long shots with heavy whispering and it i tried four or five times to get through this movie and i could not it was just so goddamn boring it was bro you seriously spent that much time and effort on that movie well you know i like to be i'm, I'm i like to be a movie critic I'm just kidding. uh so i i was just like i i kept going back and being like all right well people fucking love this movie and if you look online it's one or the other it's either people are like this is a fucking 12 out of 10 or people are like this is like the worst fucking movie ever made uh and for me i landed on it being completely underwhelming did not live up to its hype so that's uh my most underwhelming pick what about you jer uh, 100% Evil Dead Rise. I, I love. Ah, I knew it. I love the franchise. Yeah. Um, it had never let me down. And, and don't get me wrong, this wasn't a bad movie. Um, it checked the boxes, like we said in the review. You know, it did the Evil Dead things, right? But it didn't do them in new ways that were exciting, like Evil Dead 2013 did. Um. The Deadites looked more like zombies in this, and they did nothing with the new setting because every Evil Dead thing had been in a cabin in the woods. So finally they take it out of the woods and they put it in an apartment high-rise. That's the perfect setting, man, for so much crazy shit to go down. And it might as well have been a cabin in the woods because you basically spend almost the entire runtime in that one apartment which was such a waste of a new location. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't detest it, but I just went, you know, I'm kind of bummed that this isn't what it could have been or should have been. So Evil Dead Rise was definitely one that let me down for this year. Mm. (sighs) I'd love to be as subtle as the both of you. And I debated on being so. It could have been Evil Dead Rise. It could have been Skinnamarink. Both of them did that to me. But fuck me if I don't mention a David Gordon Green directed movie mm, on the last episode. That's my boy. Year. Sorry, I gotta do it. Exorcist Believer. And yeah, you know what? We knew there was no real deep anticipation for that movie because after Halloween ends, we all kind of knew where that was probably gonna go. You were either on one side or or the other, and not only was that movie underwhelming, it was 
the biggest piece of shit movie I watched the entire year. That includes all the stuff I watched straight to streaming, too. Uh, you know, effort was put in. Credit where credit is due. David Gordon Green is an amazing talent. I should just fill in the blank here and cut and paste from other episodes where Jeremy explains it perfectly, where it's like, David Gordon Green is a great comedy. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. We've yeah, said yeah. it on the show a million times. It's It's been said and done. But that thing was offensive to me. And that's most likely why it made no money. And they're not going to have him back for another one. Thank God. So, yeah. I mean, Skinnamarink was definitely underwhelming for me. I didn't hate that one. And I agree with Jeremy perfectly. Evil Dead Rise. Um, the studio even sent me an early copy of the movie to watch again. And I watched it again. I was like, you know, there's good things in the movie. But yeah. I found it really strange that so many people were like, this is the best thing ever. And I'm like, did you not Did you not watch Fidea Alvarez's Evil Dead? Like, seriously, did you not watch that thing? Because... When you compare the two, which I watched back to back, I'm like, it's not even an argument. No. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what we got for you. I think that's probably it for the epic film, guys, for 2023. Who knows? As of this recording, I know b Ratty's coming down to visit. Woo, going to see my boys. So... You know, we're all probably going to get some bro time, hopefully be able to hang out, do some cool shit. Um, I don't know if any more content's going to come, but I don't know. Jeremy was about, he's, he was, what, what was that? Let's do it. Come on. Yeah. Let's get, I some, mean, let's get some wings. Oh, dude. Wing, wings, wings are going mean, wing, to be had, bro. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot of wings. Also, uh, this has nothing to do with me coming <laughs> yeah. down, but The Exorcist, now that you talked about David Gordon Green, 50th anniversary is coming up, so everybody should go fucking watch that. Hell yeah, boy. They should. Hell yeah, also, brother. Yeah, they should. All things considered, you know, we talked about William Friedkin earlier in the year, and, you know, so crazy that all happened in the same year, isn't it? Weird. Yeah. This, weird, this year has been like five years in, in one, but hey. Yeah, it has. We're here. We did it. But we're here, all three of us are still alive, and we love each and every fucking one of you guys for listening. And we had another, again, if this is our last episode of the year, another amazing successful year for Epic Film, guys. I think it's our best year yet, guys. I don't know about you, but it's a good one, yeah. yeah. Audience reaction and downloads and opportunities and things we've been able to do for our listeners. And believe me, we have way more coming next year. Um, it is the anniversary, 10-year anniversary next year of the brand of Epic Film Guys existing. So believe me when I say special shit is on the way. New merchandise, artwork, all kinds of cool shit. I can't wait for you guys to be a part of it. But until that happens and we unveil the secrets and the surprises, just thanks for listening. And you can find us every single place if it's our first time. Any place where podcasts are found. And on social media, Brady, tell them where they can find us. Oh, you can find us anywhere. You can find us on X, formerly known as Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We have a special group that you have to be accepted into so we get to judge if you're worthy or not. Um, Tender. Yeah, we're on threads now. I, I, 
I don't, what else? Yeah, we're on Tinder. We're on Hinge. Onlyfarmers.com. We're on Feet Finder. We're on Christian Mingle. We're on Farmers Only. We're on it all. We're on Adult Friend Finder. Brady, I mean, I know you're you're in a place right now, but really, it's a dark place. All of those. It's a very dark place. Okay. That's where I'm at. I'm just lonely. I'm just gonna love you too. Uh, but yeah, so that's where we are. You know, come come find us. Come uh, like our shit. Come talk about movies with us. And uh, yeah, come come with the kick drum. Come, come, as uh, Jeremy says about Infinity Pool. Come, come. Come, come. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. Another great year in the books. But as always, I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm B-Ratty. And as always, we like to ask you to keep it. Oh. <gasps> Creepy.